Welcome to the Bliss Tour. I'm Julia Lee, and this is the third episode. And I'm in Florida for the holidays. Yay! I have for you an interview with Mary Veal of Kula Yoga Shala. We recorded this when I was still in Edinburgh, Scotland. Mary is one of my best friends from high school, and we talk about yoga, living an authentic life, and rock and roll. Let's get started. Welcome to the Bliss Tour, Mary Satchwell. Oh, Mary Veal. That's my name now. I practiced it so much. I was like, her name is Veal, Veal, Veal. And I just like, there you go. Um, That's all right. Thanks for doing this. This is a little project I've started talking to people about their work lives, especially people who've gone from, you know, working in offices or cubicle land, as I call it. Mm -hmm. um, to doing something they're really passionate about, really, really fulfills them, really drives them. So I wanted to talk to you because you are a full-time yoga teacher, mm -hmm. correct? And yes. I just wanted to get um, a little background about how you went from your previous career to what you're doing now. Okay. So before being a yoga teacher, I worked for Comcast Cable for 15 years, mm -hmm. total corporate environment. Yeah. For about the first 10 years that I was with Comcast, I was in sales and customer service. And then I moved into executive support, which was handling the major complaints like with the FCC and the mm -hmm. BBC, you know, the, um, all of that kind of major problems. I... Early, when I first started working there, I just started doing yoga, and it really, I realized that I was doing yoga eight hours a day by trying to be patient with ah. people and pay attention to people mm -hmm. and be mindful and compassionate. Those things you don't think of when you think of cable company customer service, right. but it was more for my peace of mind than the customers, because that's the person I wanted to be even when it was a stressed out corporate environment. So that's a very stressful environment because you're held accountable to numbers and statistics and sales. And then you still have somebody yelling at you on the phone mm -hmm. all day long. Yeah. So seeing how yoga really helped me, not just physically, but emotionally and mentally was a big component. And eventually, like I just couldn't do corporate anymore like I just realized I've learned everything I'm here to learn either from a you know business standpoint or from a yogic standpoint like I've learned all of my lessons I I just couldn't do it anymore it's like when your body finds something toxic mm -hmm. after a while like you just can't do it and so my uh, friend and I started a yoga studio and for the first year that we had the yoga studio open, I still worked at Comcast. And he had been trying to get me to quit that long, long ago. And every reason that I came up with, he had a better answer. So in a corporate environment, you are a little bit brainwashed thinking that that's the only way to live. Because <clears throat> I've been there 15 years. Now I have four weeks of vacation. Yeah. Like I've earned four weeks of vacation now. I'm not going to give that up. And his answer was, every day can be a vacation. I'm like, okay. Then I'm like, Look, but I need, I need health insurance. Yeah. He's like, you can buy health insurance. You can just pay for it. I'm like, 
Okay. So it took me about a year to see that our studio was flourishing Mm -hmm. and then to finally make that decision. And it is very fear oriented when you're leaving what's considered the norm. Yeah. Because corporate world and working for a big institution is considered normal in our culture. So it was a big leap and it wasn't necessarily faith. Like I wasn't going to do it if our studio wasn't doing well. I wasn't going to do it if I sucked as a yoga teacher, you know, like, so it wasn't just a blind leap, but it was a faith. It was a, this is my calling Mm -hmm. and it's wrong to not do it after a while. My husband, very supportive. He um, doesn't really care about jobs and status and money. And he was just like, whatever you want to do, do. A lot of his friends found it interesting that, well, now he has to support me. Well, no, I'm actually making more now than I did in corporate world because I've been able to devote 100% of myself to what I love. And the abundance comes with that. You don't have to be fearful because when you're doing what you're supposed to do, like living your truth, it's going to be taken care of. So it was just a very interesting like social dynamic with a lot of his friends. Uh Um, Like, oh, well, it's really great of you to let her do that. And he would be like, I don't I don't even know what you mean because it's her choice. You know, so it was a really great supportive environment. My whole family, my husband, my friends, like they all knew. Like, this was just a natural progression for me. But it's a big leap. Yeah. It was, a, it was a big change also to run a business and run, like, from home. So it, was, it took me quite a while to get out of that nine-to-five mentality because work never ended. Like, my dining room table is my desk at home. Uh-huh. And work was always facing me. I would, I could, I never had downtime. Yeah. Never had a time where I just relaxed at home because my work is sitting right in front of me. So that's when we, we took a room at the studio and made it my office. So I still do work at home, but I work in my office at the studio as well to give me a little space, like a yeah. little personal space. That was a big adjustment. Plus yoga teachers are busy. Like, I don't know people that are as busy as yoga teachers because it's crazy, right? You think, oh, they just teach yoga. A few hours a day, no problem. Yeah, right. (laughs) You have to drive to the place, set up, greet students, teach a class, clean up, drive to your next thing. So an hour and a half class is really three hours of your day. Yeah, okay. So time management changes substantially because you're only accountable to yourself. Yeah. So, but oh, go ahead. you've got to manage. Yeah. yeah. So when you say you have a yoga studio, is it a physical yoga studio? Is it a virtual mm-hmm. yoga studio or is it both? It is a physical yoga studio. It's actually one of the largest yoga studios in the country. We wow. Have, yeah. So it's Kula Yoga Shala. We have 75 classes a week. I have 40 teachers. We have two indoor studios, an outdoor deck that we do classes on. Uh, we run two teacher trainings a year. We have international teachers that come every weekend. We have workshops. Mm-hmm. Um, it's huge. It's a huge thing. So I run the studio. I manage the studio. I manage the training program. Um, I teach classes, you know, per week. Um, 
So my time is 100% devoted to the studio or my teaching. So that's what I do. Yeah. You mentioned time before mm -hmm. and how you dealt with your time before. Being a yoga student, doing yoga, practicing yoga is very different, I think, but you tell me, from running a business. What are, you know, what are the, what do the stresses of running a business do to your yoga practice and what does your yoga practice do to your, the stresses of running a yoga business and right. how are those stress, how, how are they different from being in a corporate environment it's, and dealing with that kind of stress yeah. is it a different a very, kind of stress yeah it's a very interesting question um stress is perceived so everything that we consider stressful is just a thing or a situation it's how we re how we react is stress but what's different is the the yoga studio that i have is a karma yoga studio it's a hundred percent donations so all the classes are donation based no okay. set prices. So my friend and I decided we are not only going to live yoga, we're going to live it in our business life also. Okay. So the way we run this business is with the principles of yoga. So it is donation-based. It is karma yoga. It's service-oriented. We run it not from a fear or a lack base. We run it in that we want everyone to be successful. We, when we first opened, we handed out the schedules of every other yoga studio in town because we don't feel that we own any students. Go do yoga. That's what matters. And it may not be with us. So you, so when you handed out your schedule, you handed out other studios schedule as yes. well, mm -hmm. just to say, this is, this is your, yoga. this is yoga in Nobody this area. Nobody, Nobody owns yoga. Yeah. Okay. So we were not going to live our lives or our business life from a fear-based mentality. So we, we resigned completely to whether this was going to work or not. We said, if the community wants a donation yoga studio, then they will support it. Yeah. If they don't, then they won't. And we will be okay either way. So we were never attached to what's the average donation. We were never attached to any of that. Whatever happened, happened. And yoga works because we started with one studio and 30 classes. Now we have three studios and 75 classes. And we're doing a 1,000 students a week are taking yoga here. Wow. So it does work. But we're living it. We're really honestly living these principles that we teach to students. So it can work. You just have to believe. And you have to be not attached to the outcome. So we were never really attached to that. If it didn't work, it didn't work, you know. Um, but I did keep my corporate job for like the first year. And most of that was reconciling with myself. Yeah. Leaving that safe environment. Even though I just couldn't it anymore. Yeah. Like I couldn't do it, you know? Yeah. Um, and I still taught one yoga class at the time. Now I teach about six a week. You mentioned a couple of things I want to go back to because I've had the same um, conversations in the previous interviews about, about faith. If the, if the word faith wasn't used, mm -hmm. that was, that was the meaning of it about faith and fear 
and safety, a feeling mm-hmm. of safety about taking leaps. And I was just wondering, you know, you, t- you talked about, you know, you couldn't stand it anymore. And I was just wondering, what is the point that you realized that you couldn't stand it? What was the point where safety, what was safe, what was comfortable mm-hmm. was actually worse than right. taking the leap, if that makes right. sense. Yeah, it, it's, it was really just an accumulation um, of having started teaching yoga mm-hmm. when we opened the studio, teaching a weekly class, seeing the impact that you have on individuals, but also being surrounded by individuals that want to wake up, you know, individuals that are on a spiritual path. In a corporate environment, you're getting, you know, if 1% of the customers that call into a cable company, the ones that do call are pissed off yeah. and they're upset and you're just getting sort of the worst end of it. Yeah. And and it really, it felt like that it was just like poisonous after a while. You And I recognize and I practice compassion and I understand, you know, like what it's important to them, but the alternative was being at the yoga studio every week, helping students with life, because that's what yoga is. You practice yoga to get good at life and seeing the impact, like real world impact in people's lives, mm-hmm. not cable went out and I can't watch my football game. Right. So there was a tipping point where I should just really be putting my energy where it's going to help people. You know, not just get their internet back on, but help their life and their head and their heart and their whole being. You know, there was just that point where I just, I just have to do it. It just wouldn't, I just couldn't not do it after It wouldn't let you go. Well, corporate, I mean, the corporate world, you know, didn't want me to go, but. Oh, but I mean, the, like the yoga, doing yoga, letting go of the corporate world and making that leap, that idea wouldn't let you go. Yeah, you just couldn't stop the momentum. Yeah. It it just gets to a tipping point where like, this is it, I'm done. And it's fearful. I mean, it is fearful because it's, you know, in the corporate world, you get your paycheck and you don't have to worry that it bounces. Yeah. You know, like it's there and it's safe. That's the safety part. But what I did several months before I actually quit probably about six months, I didn't buy anything I didn't actually need. Okay. So no nail polish just because it was pretty, you know, like nothing that I didn't actually need. Yeah. And I saved up a ton of money and I'm not like a huge shopper anyway. Yeah. But we really, you know, questioning, do I need that or do I just want it? There's Mm -hmm. a big difference. So I started training myself and seeing wow, I really can live, like, let's simplify things. Let's get rid of some of these bills that are just luxuries, really. Let's simplify and see where we are. So I went in, like, with an attitude um, myself of being, like, making sure that I was okay to do this Mm -hmm. financially. And then once you commit yourself to really living your purpose, it just comes. Um, I teach one class a week now. You've seen the pictures over at the Jupiter Lighthouse. And I get yeah. over 100 students in one class. And that's, you know, because yoga is great and yoga works and it's a beautiful place and it's donation. And I would have never guessed that 
that would be in my life, you know, five years after quitting a corporate job, you know. So it, it's really beautiful um, and very sustainable, you know, like really, really able to actually do it, you know, and pay my bills and pay my insurance and all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, and I think, yeah, so many people keep their jobs because of insurance. So many people, and, and that's, that's nothing to, to sort of shake your head at. That's yeah, no, it's important. Um, it's, and so I'm, you know, I ask everyone about fear because it seems to be the main thing that keeps people from making a leap, from, mm -hmm. from doing something else that they're really interested in, that they're, but, you know, they don't, they just can't see making a living, paying their bills, et cetera, right. when they do it. Tell me a little bit about, you said everything was donations-based. Is that a part of the Karma Crew, or is Karma Crew something separate? Karma Crew is a nonprofit that my friend and I started to do okay. more like community service work around the world. Okay. So um, it is separate. It's two separate um, entities. Karma Crew is a nonprofit organization, but okay. Kula is a profit, a for-profit business. Okay. It's still based on Karma Yoga, though. This the selfless service and service to others. Mm -hmm. um, so that's how we choose just to live our life. So it translates into the other endeavors that we've done businesses, nonprofits, just how we live. So what is, I looked on the Karma Cruise website and mm -hmm. are you just an association or an organization of Karma Yoga Studios, Karma-based yoga studios? Yeah, or how, do, how does it work really, or how do, do you join it, or? Yeah, it's evolved over time. Since we've opened the yoga studio, that's taken a little bit of a backseat. So it's more of a resource center at this point on how to do community service through yoga studios and bringing the karma yoga off the mat and into the world. So it's really, um, at this point, much more of a resource for yoga teachers, yoga students, studios on how to bring Seba, you know, service out. Mm -hmm. um, we have done many projects around the world in New Orleans after the hurricane and, you know, a lot of community service oriented work, but it was mainly to how do you live the principles of yoga, you know, is how we wanted to do that. And we just really felt that we could make a bigger impact in our own community by having a studio as a base okay. and, and then moving from there. So the studio really is the, our main focus because we can see the impact on individual lives as well. I want to talk a little bit about the studio itself and your location. Mm -hmm. You're in Jupiter, Florida. Right. And I, having grown up in Fort Pierce, you as well, mm -hmm. um, I would never imagine that, you know, a yoga studio. Yoga here. Hi, there's yoga here. I know. Yoga here. There's yoga. There's a studio in Fort Pierce. I mean, yoga, when I still lived in Florida till now, has grown so much. And, right. But I still would never have imagined that one of the largest studios in the country would be in Jupiter, Florida. Because, you know, most of the country doesn't even know where Jupiter, Florida is. Right. So how, you know, what, it, what are your students like? What are they? People have such ideas. Right. Um, uh, stereotypical, some stereotypical 
some accurate ideas about Florida, but you know, what are your right. students like? Are they younger? Are they older? Are they? So um, ours, so Jupiter, Florida is about 30 minutes north of West Palm Beach. Jupiter is a very interesting community. It's a very beachy kind of town. Okay. Uh, but it also is very affluent in some areas, like Tiger Woods lives here. Oh, okay. um, and it's also a lot of migrant workers. So it's a wide variety of people. Okay. Our studio, because we have so many classes, we have 75 classes a week, we can offer a lot of variety. So we have kids' classes. Mm-hmm. We have chair yoga for seniors. We have kundalini. We have gentle. We've got power. We have everything except heated. Every okay. other yoga studio in town is a hot studio. We don't do that. Florida's really? hot enough. Florida is hot enough. <laughs> Florida is hot enough. If you want a hot <laughs> studio in Florida, just go outside. I know, right? Yeah. So because we have so much variety of classes, we have everything from four-year-olds to 84-year-olds. Okay. And everything in between. Now, that's why donation works, because people pay what they can afford. Some people can pay $20 a class, and some people pay $3 a class. It evens out across the board. So it's always been pretty even. We, you know, I, as the manager, keep track of donations and attendance and all of that. But the teachers, it doesn't matter to them what people are paying. You know, this is their karma service. Now, the way we work donations is the teachers get 60% of whatever they collect for a class. That's okay. their pay. So we okay. give the majority of the donations to the teachers because we want yoga teachers to have a sustainable life as well. Yeah. You know, we know the training they've gone through and we want them to be successful. So the reason that it works is people do pay how they value their practice. Now, we also know that if yoga works, then this is going to work. And what I mean by that is, yeah, maybe some people don't donate at all. Mm-hmm. But if yoga works, that's going to change. They're going to value what they get from class. Gotcha. And over time, realize, I value this more than free. Yeah. Right? We don't know what people drop in. We just have a big Buddha head and people drop money in the jar. That's literally (laughs) how we take payment. (laughs) You drop it in. You don't know what anybody pays. Um, You drop it into a big Buddha head. A big Buddha head. All right. That's what we do. (laughs) Um, So I had a situation uh, a little while ago where somebody had dropped a check in my jar Uh and it was for $250. And I knew who the person was, and I contacted her. Yeah. Yeah. I contacted her, and I said, hey, like, this must be a mistake. Like, I don't know what this is, but um, what is it, you know, basically? Mm -hmm. And she said, well, for the last year, I've been taking your classes for free because I was unemployed, and this is my first paycheck. Oh, wow. And I was like, that's worth it. I didn't know she wasn't paying, Mm -hmm. and I didn't care. Yeah. But yoga is what got her through. Yoga is what got her through a tough time in her life. And then when she could pay, she did. So that's the whole point. You know, like that's the whole purpose that we do this because not everyone can afford $20 for a drop in class. Yeah. You know, like not everyone can do that. I'd rather you come five times a week and pay me $4 each time. Yeah. You know, um, because we just want 
everyone doing yoga, you know? It's and, the practice that counts. Yeah. So it, and we see it over and over and over. And that's why the donation system works because people do value it. And it, it holds an important place in our community now. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've come up. We have a nice big garden outside too. Mm-hmm. And somebody will be sitting in the garden crying and, you know, you go over to them and their brother just passed away and they would be like, I didn't know where else to go. Like we hold that space in the community. Churches and things like that aren't as prevalent as it used to be in people's lives. And, they, and we've found that having a community space, like a real community, not just a studio, holds that place for people. And it, it's powerful. And it's been really, really just beautiful, you know, what it means to people's lives. People coming to your studio are looking for, what do you think when they first come? Are they just sort of interested in yoga? Does it vary? And how does that, how does that work in terms of how you teach? I mean, do you, do you sort of like, for a beginner's class, do you sort of introduce everything and say, mm-hmm. yoga is going to work for you? Or do you just say, just come and see how it feels? Yeah. People come for different reasons. So I do the registration sheets every week when a new person comes, I mm-hmm. enter their email. And there's a little question on there like, you know, what do you want to get out of practice? And I would say about 80 to 90 percent say peace or stress relief or mindfulness, something like that that's not physical. Mm-hmm. Um, many people do come to yoga for physical benefits. That's why I started. I have major spinal injuries and I started yoga for pain relief. Mm-hmm. But okay. the yoga works itself. Like you don't have to sell it. You don't have to sell yoga because it works on all layers of your being, not just your physical body. So many people start yoga in a gym and then some of them will come to a studio And then some of them will end up in meditation, you know, so it's just an evolution. So people start for their own reasons. There's lots of reasons across the board. Um, You know, I taught a chair class today. Mm -hmm. Most of the people in chair class are seniors, have injuries or joint replacements, arthritis, lupus, RA, you know, um, they can't, they come for physical reasons. You know, their doctor told them to come to yoga. Yeah. But they realize that the philosophies of yoga help them much more in their life than just physical practice. So patience and compassion and kindness and the the teachings of yoga, which is very interesting to teach to a senior crowd, but they want to know. So it's turned into a little Dharma class and talking about all different kinds of philosophy things as well. Um, so, uh, so when you say it's it's interesting to teach to a senior class, interesting interesting how like in terms it's interesting of that they so what I've seen in teacher trainings mm-hmm. is older students are a little more preconditioned on how they were raised. I was raised Catholic. I was raised Baptist. Uh, okay. I was raised you know whichever way, and they kind of have their opinions set and their conditioning is, you know, set a certain way. Mm-hmm. Yoga isn't a religion. It's not a dogma. It addresses everything, but it addresses us, you know, as a spiritual being. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so in the beginning, when I started teaching chair, I didn't teach much philosophy, but then I would get questions like, what's that Buddha statue all about? What's that elephant head guy? What's that? What's that? What's that? Right. Yeah. And now they really want to talk about what's the meaning of life because they're 80 years old. Yeah. How much more is there? Right. And what's next? So that's what they want to talk about. So that was a big surprise to me that this is turning into a philosophy class with some asana. You know, it was beautiful, though, because they really want to know, like, what's it all about? And they're not afraid to ask. You, You know, your mom, my mom, you ask a 70 or 80 year old woman something, they're just yeah. going to tell you what they think. Yeah. They're too old for, you know, holding back anymore. Yeah. So it's beautiful. It's fantastic. Um, I just love seeing the spectrum. Like we have little kids that do yoga and they'll be like, well, I had to go to the doctor, but I just remembered to breathe and it was okay. Oh, that's nice. Right? Like it's working. Yeah. You know, we also give a lot of freedom to our teachers. So I have about 40 yoga teachers that teach here, Mm -hmm. and we let them teach whatever they want. If you want to chant or do kundalini kriyas or you want to light incense and, um, you know, burn sacred cow dung or whatever the pet that you want, whatever, (laughs) which all of that happens at my studio, all of it, incense and aromatherapy and, you know, like everything and anything's on the table because we want people to teach authentically that is what connects to people, not a script, not, you know, reading off of cue cards, not somebody else's yoga, be authentic teachers. So that's who we have here. And we let them do whatever they want. And students find their teacher. Students find their teacher. Yeah. That's Cause a... if you don't like this guy, there's 39 others to pick from. Yeah. You know, and and we see that people resonate at certain stages in their life with certain teachers. We have every age range of teacher. Probably the youngest is 22 Mm -hmm. and the oldest is probably 55 or 60. Okay. You know, so every range of age of teacher, male and female, everything. So you you were just talking about teach authentically and um, mm-hmm. we've gotten to authenticity and just sort of being yourself and mm-hmm. whether it's scary or not just doing it and you are I love your yoga photos because yeah. you're like totally rock and roll <laughs> you're in like warrior two but flipping the bird you're, you're like rock and roll with the yeah. What, what are the fingers called? The horns. The, the horns. Yeah. Yeah. Like just rock and roll yoga and those two things. You know, and my I, and I love it because I know it's you and right. I know you, but you've totally not given it up for yoga. You're just like this is me, and this right. is my yoga. I'm taking it into my yoga and. Just like talk to me a little bit about that because it's so genuine. Yeah. Like when I see those photos of you, I'm like, yep, that's Mary. <laughs> yeah, right. So before I worked for Comcast Corporate, I worked for seven years for a concert promoter. Mm-hmm. So out of college, I went to work for a concert promoter because I love music. Yeah. Well, eventually the music industry isn't like a great place to be. Mm. Um, 
eventually I started like not wanting to be at concerts because it was work and it wasn't fun anymore. So I quit the concert promoter because I loved music more than I loved working for them. Okay. Um, but I've always loved music and always loved that really, you know, like hard rock, heavy metal, like that's my music. Yeah. And when we opened the studio, um, we were adding more classes and I thought I was trying to think of something a little unique for myself, you know, teaching authentically, like what would I want to take? What kind of class would I want to take? And I remembered back years before I was at another yoga studio, just taking a class and she had a very interesting playlist going and in the middle of it was Godsmack playing. And I remember getting in my car. So that's like a hard rock band. Okay. I remember getting in my car <laughs> you saw and the calling. Yeah. <laughs> Look on my face. <laughs> I called my husband and I said, I just did yoga to Godsmack and it was fucking awesome. It like lit me up because it was my music. Yeah. You know, it like lit me up. I was so excited about it. So when we were thinking about adding new classes, when we had built the second studio, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to do rock and roll yoga. Mm-hmm. And... If only one other person likes it besides me, I'm fine with that. It's huge, dude. I mean, <laughs> it is huge now. I My biggest rock and roll class has been 65 people in one yoga class. That's crazy. The studio holds about 40. So I opened the garage door and people were in the parking lot doing yoga for this. It's, it's a big thing and yeah. it's a huge community. Because and people come, it's Friday night at 6 p.m., uh-huh. they come to class, and then they go out together afterwards. They go to dinner, or they go to a, a place and go dancing, or go to karaoke. It's like this little club. I have bumper stickers that say mm-hmm. rock and roll yoga with, like, the horns. Yeah. And they're all over town, like, on people's cars or at their business. Like, it's a thing. It's yeah. like a little club almost, you know? But it's because the music is so, touches us so deeply. And not just rock music, but music in general. Yeah. But mine is a rock and roll focus. So one week I may do a certain band, like all Aerosmith or all Led Zeppelin. Or I might do certain genres, like a punk class or uh-huh. a certain feel or a certain vibe. Or like for Mother's Day, I did Tough Mothers. It's all like female vocalists, you know. Uh-huh. So I can get very creative with the music. And it touches people very deeply. So some music brings up a lot of memories and emotion. And it's a way during class to process through that, you know, and to go through it. Or it's a song you've heard a hundred times, but now you're in a yoga pose. And that one lyric comes out and hits you differently. And like a deeper meaning comes from it. It's beautiful. And it's just fun and liberating. It's like be yourself. Like, dude, I'm wearing my pentagram earrings today. I was right? like, a pentagram earrings and a pentagram necklace. I know, and black fingernails. And, yeah. And it's just me, you know? Yeah. But everybody in class, it's very liberating to just suddenly have to sing out loud because you love this song. Yeah. And nobody's looking at you funny, and nobody thinks it's weird. And if you're weird, then so is everybody else in the room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a beautiful experience. But it does let me be who I am. Yeah. And share with people. And it's been a very interesting experience also. So, um, like, younger kids, you know, like teenagers and Uh 20-year-olds that come to rock and roll yoga. And I'm introducing them to music. 
the culture nowadays is you download one song, you don't listen to a whole album. Yeah. So, for instance, Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. I mean, that's a classic album. Yeah. But somebody who's 20 years old doesn't know what the heck I'm talking about. Yeah. So I had one girl come in. She came to that class. Afterwards, she said, I've never heard Pink Floyd before, and I didn't know it could be like that. That's what she said. Yeah. Like, I just didn't only introduce her to yoga. I introduced her to one of the best albums ever made. Yeah. You know, like, that's just beautiful. And I, I really feel like all of my passions sync up in that class. It is a be who you are and don't hide your greatness. Right? Like, don't hide your light. Like, let it shine. And if you want to wear, like, the craziest clothes or the weirdest hair or the, you know, glow-in-the-dark leggings, like, bring it on, you know, like, be yourself. Yeah. So it's a huge liberation for people. And a lot, I've found, husbands will come to rock and roll, <laughs> and they wouldn't go to yoga, but they'll come to a rock and roll class because Rush is on, and that's their favorite band. Yeah. And then they keep coming for yoga. Like, get them in the door. Yeah. Yoga will do the rest. You know, so that's really the beauty. I do a lot of specialty classes to draw people who never wanted to do yoga, but they'll come for this. And then, you know, I don't have to sell the yoga. Yeah. Well, tell me about some of the other specialty classes. I knew the rock and roll yoga. Yeah. Um, So rock and roll. I do also glow and flow yoga. So what that is, is it is black lights, glow in the dark body paint, glow products (laughs) like glow necklaces (laughs) house music, and um, crazy asana. And we go in there and we turn all the lights off and it's a room full of glow-in-the-dark people and we just have like a crazy, it's like a yoga rave, basically. Uh But it's fun and it's an event. I do it three or four times a year. It's a big event. Uh, I just had a friend of mine, her 50th birthday is in February and we're doing a glow-on-flow for her 50th birthday. You know, so... And it's just one of those things like, well, there's some people like, oh, yeah, I'll I'll do that glow in the dark kind of yoga. Mm -hmm. Well, they're still getting full on yoga. Yeah. You know, not just asana, but there's philosophy and deep teachings that are going on even in that environment. But it's not like a shove it down your your throat kind of teaching. It's like this is how it applies to life. Like, do you want to be do you want a town full of stretchy, bendy people or do you want a town full of really nice, compassionate, kind people? You know, yoga, that's what yoga does, you know. So I teach that. I also teach uh, the heavy metal yoga. So the rock and roll yoga, I've translated into heavy metal yoga for a heavy metal music cruise. I've taught two years in a row um, on the Motorhead Motorboat Cruise. Yeah, I saw that. Okay. Yeah, it's a cruise that's like a five-day cruise that has 20 different heavy metal bands. And I teach yoga on the boat to heavy metal. And it's been been a very interesting thing to see people that like yoga Uh and want to do it to their music or like the music. Yeah, so they've always wanted to try yoga. So Uh they're willing to because now it's a class based on Pantera music, like really heavy metal. Yeah. And it's yoga. So it's been a very interesting, um, it, it connects like my people. Uh My heavy metal people and my yoga people, like all together. So it's really super cool to see that and be involved with that. And and to say, no, it's not weird. It's not weird to have heavy metal music playing while you're doing yoga because you love it. Do what you love. 
You know, and, like and, that is what life is. And I think that's, that's so, I, I'm going to have you say more about the specialty kinds of yoga, because I think they're all fascinating, but, but they seem to all bring two different ideas together. Like, yeah, because people think of yoga as calm and like sort of quiet chanting and yoga type mm-hmm. music and very quiet. And that's not the case with rock and roll or heavy metal or yeah. sort of not house music. I mean, house music is, you know, this heart pumping. Yeah. Nonstop beat. And people don't think that those that kind of music and yoga can go together. Yeah. So, like, what else can yoga go with that people well, don't think it can go with? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So you Here, get, so get that idea? Yeah, and here's why it does work. If you can find stillness and be grounded and find your center while Ozzy Osbourne is screaming at you in the middle <laughs> of a yoga class, then you can find it at Walmart. Then you can find it in your workplace then you can find it in stressful situations. So we're practicing with chaos around us, screaming, yelling, and loud, just like the whole fucking world is, and still doing yoga and still being balanced, like still in like a crazy balanced pose Uh while the music is blaring. And if you can do that, then you're, you're training yourself to take on anything. And that's the whole purpose. The world, when you walk outside the yoga studio doors, is not all quiet and zen and chanting, right? Yes. It's not all beautiful spa music everywhere you go. Exactly. It's people laying on the horns. It's people in line bitching. Like, can you be calm and can you be the person you want to be in the middle of all of that? Like, that's what these classes train you for. And, I, you know, I have students that say the only time my mind quiets down is in rock and roll yoga. Because it's burned through this busy, frantic energy. Yeah, I can see that. And then their mind can come to stillness. And, you know, I'm I'm very careful about the shavasana music, the shavasana at the end of classes. Mm -hmm. Even in a rock and roll class, like I'm very mindful as a teacher to, to work it properly, you know, and give them time at the end to absorb all of the teachings, to let their nervous system relax. And, you know, the music's appropriate, but of course it's not like screaming through Shavasana, you know, but it's very interesting to work that. I also specialize in training teachers. So um, my friend and I run a 200 hour program twice a year. And then I also train chair yoga. So I've trained about a hundred teachers to teach chair yoga Uh, I train modifications for injuries. Uh, So I train yoga teachers. A lot of my specialties are also training teachers. Okay. So I train teachers to modify for injuries or special conditions. And then I'm also a certified yoga for arthritis teacher. And I'm going through the process to be a certified national trainer as well. So that's working with people specifically with arthritis or Mm -hmm. other chronic conditions like fibromyalgia or lupus or um, that sort of thing. So I specialize in individual clients that other yoga teachers send to me because they have these kind of conditions. Okay. Um, so I, I do that kind of thing. But I, I, I've done Halloween yoga where we all dressed up in Halloween <laughs> costumes. I've seen you in your little witch's My hat. witch hat, yeah. <laughs> and that was basically a yoga class where we warmed up and then we picked poses to show off the costume for each person and then had a photographer take pictures because everybody wants yoga pictures. 
But how many of them get to do it dressed up like a pirate or dressed up like a zombie or dressed up like, you know, a witch or whatever? So it's super fun. I have a class coming up next week where I'm doing Rocky Horror Picture Show Yoga. I have no idea how that's going to work. We will find out next week. That is going to be awesome. (laughs) I don't know how it's going to be awesome, but I know it's going (laughs) to be awesome. Well, and here's what it is. People are excited to be together and have fun. Mm-hmm. Like that's what our studio is about. It's about community. Kula, the word Kula means community of the heart. Okay. That's what Kula means. It's about community. And people don't realize that it's missing in their life. Community is missing in our culture. Mm-hmm. We don't have the places where everybody just goes and hangs out together. You know, like we don't have that anymore. You know, barn raising back in the day, right? Like, whatever that is, you know, that's the first example that popped in my head. Yeah. But, but no, it's some yeah, place where it. everyone comes together at, for some purpose. Right. And or just to support each other. Okay. Just to be together. So rock and roll yoga and a lot of these events, they're like a thing. You know, people plan ahead. They take off time from work, you know, like it's a thing because all their friends are going to be there. Uh, And, you know, they've made really good lifelong friends from yoga. So think about a lot of yoga studios where it's just a tiny little lot. After a yoga class, Uh you put your shoes on, you get in your car and you leave. Yes. Well, that's not what we wanted. We have a big cushy couch and we have benches out in the garden and we want people to hang out and talk about their experience. Like you might have just had a really powerful yoga class and don't have anybody to talk to it about. Well, we really encourage like, you know, hang out. And there's people here all the time that are just hanging out and talking to people and making friends and um, doing things together. Um, I also host retreats. So I do um, in January and July, twice a year at an ashram that's about an hour away from here in Sebastian, Florida. Mm -hmm. I do just a weekend retreat, get away, do yoga, take a nap, whatever you want to do, like it, make it a, we call it the refresh retreat just as a weekend little getaway. And then you can kind of hang out and talk to yoga people and hang out with your teachers you know, and like really see them 24 hours. What, how do you live? How's a yoga teacher? Like, what are they really like outside of the class? You know? Um, so I do that. And then next year I'm, I'm hosting a retreat to Africa, a yoga retreat to you Tanzania. You told me about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm super excited and I just kind of sat down and was like, where do I want to go and who do I want to travel with? okay, I want to go to Africa, I want to see all the animals, and I want to travel with a bunch of yogis. Yeah. Like that's That was the plan, and it sold out, like, right away, because people want to do that, too, you know? So yeah. I'm excited for that. So things like that, like bringing people together, having fun, being yourself, and, and being okay with that. You yeah. know, like, that's, like, what I want to do. That idea of being yourself, bringing, th- bringing things uh, together that you don't think fit together. I mean, basically it sounds mm-hmm. like, um, what you're saying is just like, whatever you are, if you bring, you can, you can bring yourself as you are to yoga. Right. Yeah, um, for sure. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people don't, don't think that way. They think, mm-hmm. 
I like rock and roll or what was the band you, you, you said that I was like, who is that? <laughs> um, yeah, Pantera. You know, look Pantera. Them up. <laughs> um, I'll look them up. Uh, you know, I, this is, this is my favorite band. This is my music. There's no way I'm going to go to a yoga class and just listen to this, you know, harps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. The last thing I like to ask, what is your idea of bliss? <laughs> that's, uh, that's a great question. You know, I, I know philosophically how we would answer that. It, the blissful state is uh, going to be beyond your consciousness. It's more of a merging with the field of consciousness. I feel like for, there's a lot, uh, depends how you want to define bliss. Like bliss in your life as a human being is really living your dharma, living your purpose. Okay. Because then it doesn't feel like work. I used to be in a job where Sunday sucked because I had to go to work on Monday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like my whole Sunday would suck. Lots of people, yeah. Yeah. And that's not how to live your life. Like this might be the only life we have. Who knows, right? Like who really <laughs> that's knows? That's a good statement. This might be the only life we have. Right. Yeah. Like who really knows? You might, you know, in yoga we think about reincarnation, but who really knows? Yeah. So are you going to live your life from the standpoint of you're born, you pay bills, and then you die? Is that how you're going to live your life? Or are you going to live it in the present moment and enjoy what you're doing and be okay and content? So bliss is much more about contentment to me. Mm -hmm. It's not a big mood swing of happy and sad. You know, bliss isn't just like this over-the-top joy. Okay. It's a content with no matter what's going on around you, you are still okay. Your eternal soul cannot be tainted by the chaos in the world. It cannot be tainted by what somebody says or another person's thoughts or opinions. It, it it's, it's so much more than that, and it's so much bigger than our limited perception so can you be okay with whatever is and that's blissful because then you can live your life like just live the life you want Uh, and and don't wait for an alternate reality you know it's not like in Seinfeld where there's an alternate reality somewhere and everything's perfect over there yeah like what are you really waiting for that like in another dimension and everything's just perfect Mary world or perfect Julia world. No, this is it. So live it and love it, you know? So that you said that it depends on what definition of how you're defining bliss and that, Mm -hmm. so that definition of bliss is, is what, as opposed to another definition of bliss, because I asked this question because it interests me because I don't have a definition for bliss. It's this thing it's sort of this vague idea for me. And then, you know, like you just narrowed it down. Like, you know, if you're being strict Mm -hmm. about it, it's living the Dharma, but you know, a bigger idea of bliss is a state beyond, beyond Samadhi. So Samadhi is a meditative state. Bliss 
which is Ananda, would be beyond that. It's still within this realm, though. It still is within the realm of the natural world. So it's it's a state beyond consciousness, okay. where you are merging um, much more with the unified field is is kind of one of the general conceptions of what bliss could be defined as. Mm -hmm. So you're really moving outside of time and space. You're moving into uh, a much more present, timeless, changeless space. And then we still have to go do our chores, right? Then we still have to go do the laundry and then the dishes so it's not that you move into a state of bliss and stay in this other kind of altered consciousness. Mm-hmm. It's can you bring that taste of it into all of your activities in the world? Can you live from that space? And that's where I, I talk about like the contentment, the contentment with whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know my mom. Yeah. So a few years ago, she had a major health issue and was in the emergency room and in emergency surgery. And we're all there in the waiting room. Mm-hmm. And I'm on the floor doing yoga because yeah. we're waiting for hours. Yeah. And everybody else around me is freaking out and and upset and just crazy people. Yeah. And I I just said, like, look. It's not helping. It's not helping her. It's not helping you. So, yeah, you can freak out or I'm going to accept whatever happens. Whatever happens. I'm not in control of anything, much less whether she lived or died. Yeah. Right. It's not mine. So can you be content no matter what? No matter what's going on around you. And that's what yoga practice gives us the practice of asking ourselves that, you know, and trying to live it. So for me, bliss is being content with what is. Because then you're never, then nothing can throw you off. Yeah. You know, it's a hard question, but it's one that's worth examining. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And just thinking about what you said, being content with whatever is, you know, that's so, so hard for mm-hmm. so many people. I think most people, the people who are in the hospital, you know, yeah. waiting with you, they found that impossible. And they were probably like going to get coffee and going, oh, Mary. <laughs> they were pissed at me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, ah, she's just like, ah, she should be. yoga stuff. Yeah. You should (laughs) be worried. You should be uh, anxious. You should be all of these things. Um, Yeah. The idea of that. You see what it does. You see what stress does to us. Oh, yeah. Physically, mentally, emotionally. Oh, yeah. So how's that working for you? Not well. You know, like, how's that working out? Yeah. Or do you want to try something else? You know, and that's all that we can do as yoga teachers is present this as here's a tool and see for yourself if it works. And I can tell you over and over and over again, people that come back and say, yes, it does. You know, yes, it does. But being content with what is doesn't mean there's inaction. 
you know, in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna tells Arjuna, like, you need to act. It is your duty to act. Mm -hmm. And not acting is still a choice. And that is an action. So it's not like if you see an injustice in the world to ignore it, still go do something about it. Yeah. But be okay with whatever the outcome is. You know, we see that a lot in in elections and things like you get discouraged that it doesn't count. Well, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't vote. You know, right. it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be active. Yeah. It means do your part and let go of the results. You know, like do what you think is right and then let it go from there. Yeah. And that applies to everything. You know, everything in the world. Yeah, figure out what you love. Figure out what people need. That, I mean, figuring out what I love. I just a friend of mine sent me a TED talk about what is what is she? She calls it multi potentialites, mm. and it's people. And what she described is exactly what I've said about myself. I will throw myself into something, and I will just be all over it and intense about it, and after a few years, it's just kind of like I kind of drift off and I don't go back. One of my yoga teachers had talked about this book called Mastery mm-hmm. and the idea of just sticking with something and until you've mastered it, just go through the plateau and just keep going and, and, and keep practicing. And what this TED Talk was saying was like, if you're this kind of person, if you're kind of the person who has all of these different interests, Mm-hmm. trying to stick with one thing is going to kill you. So what you have to do is yeah. take this thing over here that you were obsessed with once and this thing mm-hmm. over here that you were obsessed with once and this thing and this thing and this thing and this thing and see what you can come up with together. Mm-hmm. So I've been thinking about it and I've been thinking, I just talking to you about your rock and roll, heavy metal mm-hmm. yoga classes. Those, those right. seem like such opposite things. When you find your purpose, it's not just for you. It really is to serve the world. So because you can't sustain something that's um, just for yourself. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't, it's just not going to happen. Because ultimately it's not satisfying to you. But when you can help other people, and and who knows how, right? Yeah. But when you can help other people... It's a much deeper satisfaction because you're helping, you are ultimately helping yourself. Um, We're all one. We're all from the same essence and helping other people is helping yourself. So it's not an, you're not ignoring yourself, but being of service is the highest path of yoga. So finding something that you love and it helps people yeah. That's going to be a higher path, yeah. you know, and there's people need people need help in every way possible <laughs> in everything you can imagine. So yeah. everything will pertain, you know, but but thinking about that and factoring it in is, you know, really what I've seen work over and over again. A lot of my teachers are full time yoga teachers, you know, like they don't have really to have other jobs. Um, they're teaching full time. They may only have one class at my studio, but they're teaching all over town uh-huh. because they've found a specialty and they go and create classes. They're not just teaching in yoga studios. They're mm-hmm. teaching in hospitals and in rehab centers 
and in schools and all over the place. They've gone out and created jobs for themselves because yoga works in all of those environments and everybody needs it, you know, so they've been able to create their life, but they had to do it. Like they had to go out and, and be persistent with the public school system and be persistent with the hospital and, and really mean it. And then it works, you know, so finding a way to whatever you love, whatever you're good at, and then it helps people. That, that would be the criteria to narrow down your path, you know? <laughs> All right. I will do that. <laughs> it's something to think about. Yeah, know, in fact, no. And, yeah, everyone I've talked to has given me so much to think about. Yeah. And, I'm, and I'm finding also themes, that leap of faith. Mm-hmm. Like really being authentic. Being authentic, yeah. doing what you love, being where you need to be. Those are all themes that everyone has talked Mm -hmm. about. And so I don't think, you know, when I started interviewing people and talking to people about their work lives, I don't think that's something that I thought would come up over and over again, authenticity. I thought it would be like market niche or or, um, business plan or, you know, something like that. And we tell our teachers that we train, Like, don't put on fake yoga teacher performance Mm -hmm. because you can't sustain that. You can't do that week after week after week. You can be your authentic self and teach. And then that's when you're more of a vessel and you're more of a conduit. The teachings come through you when you take it from that kind of standpoint. It's not coming from you. So you don't have to. Interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's you know, how else to explain that. But when you are being authentic and you're not putting on a performance, it doesn't feel like work. And it and you actually have more energy at the end of a class and not less. If you had to put on a fake yoga teacher voice and teach stuff that you didn't want to teach, but when you're teaching real and you're being real, it just flows. Yeah. You know, it's like that flow through you. It's beautiful. I don't know what I'm going to teach when I walk in a door. I don't know what's going on. Rock and roll, I prepare a playlist, of course, mm-hmm. but I don't know otherwise. And there's sometimes where words come out of my mouth and I'm like, where the fuck did that come from? <laughs> but it's moving and it's beautiful and it touches people and it comes from some higher source, you know? Yeah. Like when you open up to that, then you can do it, you know? And then and I, think, I just think back like us in high school and we never heard of yoga. No. You know, like we never heard of it, you know, and and now it's, you know, such a powerful thing and it's beautiful. Yeah. You know? Had never heard of it. I don't go to yoga anymore. Every now and then I'll go to a yoga class, but but even now there's something deeply compelling about it. And I find yeah. myself going to yoga even when I'm not in yoga. Yeah. So. But we'll see when you come to rock and roll. (laughs) (laughs) We can't wait. I'm totally coming to that. Totally coming to that. Thanks so much to Mary Veal. Mary and I hadn't seen each other in about 20 years, and so it was so great to talk to her. Since we recorded this interview, I have seen the rock and roll yoga, and I am here to report it is good. 
Mary's playlist for the class was all Led Zeppelin, which apparently is a holiday tradition at Kula Yoga Shala. It was fun and relaxing, and if you are anywhere near Jupiter, Florida, I suggest you check it out. The music you are listening to was not provided by Led Zeppelin or Pantera. Totally had to look them up. The music was provided by Jamindo, and this is Ambient M by Anthony Rajakal. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Bliss Tour. I'll have links and additional information about this episode on theblisstour.com. You can always find me at theblisstour.com and on Twitter and Instagram at theblisstour. Happy holidays wherever you are. Find your bliss.